0: Welcome to BJJ Mental Models, episode 143. I'm Steve Kwan. BJJ Mental Models is your guide to a conceptual and intelligent jiu-jitsu approach. And today, back to ride with us one more time, we've got the big dog, Drew Weatherhead. Drew, how are you doing?
1: Ride or die, Steve. I'm happy to be here. I I was (laughs) kind of surprised to be on as soon as I am. I must have left an impression.
0: Well, it's more that you were just the easiest person to book on short notice, honestly, but... (laughs) yeah normally I actually try to space out guests I mean the the whole thing of the show is people come to love our guests quite a bit and they keep asking for them back but I try to get them like once every 10 or 20 episodes just so as not to oversaturate but in this case there was something specific that I saw all over your Instagram that I really wanted to talk about and I don't know anyone better than you to ask these questions too so that was why i i kind of rushed to put this one back together even though you had just been on here a few weeks ago and that position of course well
1: well, first of all before we get into it i don't i don't know who took those pictures i don't know why they went public but i'm willing to talk about it
0: (laughs) well now, now that you've atoned what i actually wanted to talk about was the crucifix probably one of the in terms of like most powerful versus least loved, it's probably the position in jujitsu that gets the shortest end of the stick. I've talked to my brother, Matt, about this before, and he's of the mind that the crucifix is such a powerful position that frankly, it should probably be given a a point scoring opportunity, just like neon belly. Mm -hmm. But the weird thing is, you don't see a lot of people who are what I would call crucifix players in in jujitsu and and surprisingly even in MMA you don't see this a lot and that is something that I don't get because I mean I remember when John Jones you probably know the exact anecdote here I'm going to give but when John Jones was up and coming in the UFC like everyone knew this guy was going to be a total killer before he even got there and early on in his career, he'd beaten Stefan Bonner, and everyone knew that this guy was probably going to be a champion one day. It was just a matter of time. And he had a fight with uh, Vladimir Matyushenko, the janitor. And I remember, like, the refs knew that this was probably going to go south real fast, and (laughs) Jones got Vladimir in a crucifix and just elbowed the shit out of him. And, I I mean, I can't say exactly how much damage was done or wasn't done. I mean, it was John Jones, so I'm going to presume it hurt quite a bit, but... Matt Yushchenko was not getting out of that position like he was going to sit there and get elbowed in the face until either he went unconscious or someone stopped the fight. There was no way that he was going to get out of that crucifix.
1: So, no, that's a hard enough name to, to pronounce and after that case with with as much CTE as he incurred, he probably wouldn't be able to spell <laughs> let, let alone say his own name for at least a week.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I will be I will be completely honest here. I forgot his name. I was just going to call him the janitor, his nickname, but luckily <laughs> I was able to pull up my phone and recall his name before I had to say it. But I remember that being a definitive moment for me where I realized that the crucifix was really a power position. Mm-hmm. In any grappling endeavor. And even to this day, that was years ago that that fight happened. Even to this day, I don't see it that much. Every once in a while in the gym, people catch me in it and it sucks. It's real hard to get out of. And I noticed that on Instagram, you've been blasting out a whole bunch of crucifix tutorial videos. I presume this is either trailing or means that coming soon, there's going to be a crucifix instructional from you. You tell me if I'm wrong, but I'd love to dig into this position and talk about it and break it down
1: yeah well thankfully for the sake of this conversation the instructional has already been made it's on bJj fanatics and it came <laughs> out in I think January of this year it was one of those things that I didn't really I didn't really mean to go down this rabbit hole path of crucifix but it just happens as it so happened I came across a random instagram video this is just the perfect way for a meme lord to start going down a rabbit hole for a technique <laughs> was finding some random it was from Eli knight and that guy talk about prolific he puts out like at least a new technique video on his instagram once or twice a day so like i've been following him for long enough we're good friends actually that you know, I, I kind of, he's in my feet a lot, but he had never really sent me down this type of rabbit hole before, and it wasn't really on purpose. It's just, this is the thing, is like you were saying, for how powerful a position this is, it gets almost completely ignored by the jiu-jitsu community, to the degree that I was already well into my black belt before it even interested me. Before I even knew that it was worth mm-hmm. looking at. And once I got into it, I, I was dumbfounded with A, the level of control, B, the, the level of power that you have submission wise, and C, like the, the entries that you can find all over the place. And one thing we're going to get into is typically speaking, what most people think of when they hear the word crucifix is a rear crucifix, but there's all sorts of varieties of the same style of control where you have somebody basically strapped or put into a, like, a star box position, A both both of the yeah, crucifix, right? But basically, <laughs> that both arms are splayed to their sides, their neck is saddled, and they are stuck in in some sort of debilitating pinning or holding position where they have no use over either of their arms.
0: Yeah, and for those who haven't seen this position before, I'm. I'm pretty sure that most people are at least either familiar with a variant of the crucifix or they can visualize it. But if not, it is exactly what you think it is. It is a position where you force your opponent to splay their arms out to the side. And usually that is done by using your arms on one side of their body. So one of their arms is tied up with your arms and then the other one is tied up with your legs. Generally speaking, the primary ways you're probably going to see a crucifix in jujitsu, usually the one I see most often, and you tell me if you disagree, is the rear crucifix, the one you brought up where you're behind the person, almost like you're kind of like on their back. But instead of having hooks around their waist, you've got two arms against their one arm and then you've got two legs against their other arm and as a result you prevent them from being able to retract their arms they're stuck out at all at all times which as you can imagine if someone's on your back and you cannot pull your arms in it's a bad day at the office for you it is going to be really 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 hard to get anything from there and the crucifix plays so well into things like the kimura trap Because by definition, if you're behind the guy and you've got two hands around one of his his arms, you might as well use your legs to trap the other one. It also transitions nicely if you feel you're losing back mount. If you lose the hooks, you can switch to a crucifix. And that doesn't even get into, and I'm sure we'll talk about it here today, but that doesn't even get into the other variants of the crucifix, like the mounted crucifix, where you're on top of the guy inside control. You catch one of his arms with your arms and you catch the other one of his arms with your legs. That position is pretty much inescapable. And as I mentioned earlier, in an MMA or a self-defense situation, if you get someone there, again, bad day at the office for the guy who gets stuck in the crucifix.
1: Yeah. You know who uh, another MMA name for those people who remember back in the day uh, that really made use out of, I guess it's not that back in the day, but it kind of is now, of the top side crucifix like you're talking about is uh, Roy Nelson, Big Country. He did this in the Tough Series, the same season that Kimbo Slice was on. Do you remember that?
0: Mm-hmm. I definitely do.
1: Yeah? Okay. It's it's the one that became meme famous because Rampage Jackson literally destroyed, just in, <laughs> completely obliterated a door after <laughs> one of his guys lost a match. But he... I believe he got two or three out of his fights in the house into this position where he just put his big fat belly down from basically cross side control, controlled the guy's one arm with his legs, other arm with his arms, and used his one free arm to just sort of rabbit punch him in the side of the head until the ref had to stop it because yeah. the guy literally cannot defend himself. And as part of the rules of MMA, if you can't defend yourself, the match is over. None of the guys were taking any sort of significant damage because he was just sort of like pitter patter smack him in the face like a big brother would, you know? but but it was like, you got two minutes left in the round and this guy's just getting hit like a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that
0: that is something I, I remember distinctly about watching the crucifix in MMA. Because of the position that you're in, if you have a mounted crucifix on your opponent... Look, you can't really wind up and clock the guy. You're going to be able to elbow him in the face or maybe punch him in the face, but you're not really able to wind up or get a lot of power because you're crucifixed on top of him. And similarly, because this MMA, you can't knee him in the face because he's oh. grounded. But you can sit there and elbow or punch him until the cows come home. And you will do that because there's yep. no way he's getting out if he's stuck in a mounted crucifix. Anyone who's done jujitsu understands how hard it is to get out of a mounted crucifix and if strikes are involved it's a totally different situation and like you said i mean sure maybe they're not the most powerful strikes but after the hundredth one the ref is going to start to think about maybe it's time to just call it a day and go home (laughs) because you're not getting out of there so what's the point
1: yeah when i try to this is kind of my epiphany as well as my problem when it comes to selling this series is that i've made I've made a fair amount of technique series at this point. I've been in the game for a year and a half, two years. I've made, I think, seven full series, at least as many mini series, not to mention literally hundreds of different videos on my member site and my YouTube. And this one To be honest, at this point, is like my magnum opus because of all of the information I found out, figured out, and worked through and systematized for four different variations of crucifix, the rear crucifix being only one of them. We also have a reverse crucifix. We have a front side crucifix, which is almost completely ignored, and um, half crucifix, which is almost like akin to a rubber guard, but from that perpendicular position from side control.
0: Well, maybe that's actually a great segue into this. Maybe we can go through these positions to at least get them in front of people's heads, get them thinking about them. And then from there, if people want to dig deeper and learn more, I mean, you've got the material.
1: That was that's the good thing about going down this uh, as far as marketing is concerned. There's so much to it. And I'm really proud of the material. The problem is trying to convince people that they even need it. And this is hilariously Mm -hmm. difficult to do because it's such an underused, under understood position or style of control that like, look, my professors never taught me anything about this. Why would I spend money on something that's like apparently some niche move that you figured out? No, it's not Mm -hmm. what it is. Like I, I tell people there's only there's only two good ways I've found to convince people immediately that they need to learn the crucifix. One, is to put them in it. Two, is to show them how to do it. If you feel it and then you feel the power of using it, you have to know how to keep doing it and more and better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I remember when I was early in my jujitsu journey, I went through the the life cycle that all of us go through, where, of course, when you're a white belt, you feel like the Americana is the most deadly move in the world because <laughs> it's like an instant kill shot if you're a white belt.
1: That was literally my first submission in life. Literally the first one I yeah, ever get yeah, yeah. was an Americana.
0: Yeah. But then, of course, at some point, by the time you get to blue or purple belt, you start to get pretty good and you realize okay, I don't have to just sit here and let this fucker Americana me. I can turn towards him. I can take the pressure off. And so then I went through this phase where I felt like, okay, the Americana is this joke submission that just doesn't work. It's like a meme submission. But then I went through the final phase of evolution where I was sparring with my instructor, Don Whitefield, who I think is a three, maybe higher than three degree black belt. And he would just crucifix me every time. When he got onto side control, he would crucifix my near arm and then he'd Americana of the far arm and here i am like a super experienced grappler i can't do anything about it because i can't turn because <laughs> this motherfucker is crucifixing me so it's funny how the crucifix it achieves when you are in top on the mounted crucifix it really helps you with one of the hardest problems to solve when you're holding side control which is you got to keep the guy's shoulders both on the mat and if he's in a crucifix He's going to keep both of his shoulders on the mat. There's no way he's getting to a side as long as you can hold that position.
1: Yeah, yep, yeah, that's right. That's basically, no matter what the variation of crucifix you're using is, and like I said, there's there's a number of them. I go through four of them in this tutorial. But the basic controlling concept is going to be that you're either laid upon or strapped across their front or back, and both of their arms are useless to them that's the goal. So like, mm-hmm. in, people spent hundreds of dollars and maybe like a dozen hours on the Danaher back control seat. No, what's the one The straight jacket system, amazing system that is used across every super fight you ever see when people take the back, they immediately start doing all of these hand pummeling, arm pummeling, lacing tricks to try to the goal is to try to make it a at least like a a a better battle for the attacker when it comes to number of limbs you either want to be two on one or one on none or best case scenario two on none and there's ways of doing that it's it's ways of pinning their arms in in certain laces that make it impossible for them to get them back while you attack the neck now imagine a position that just by definition takes both of their arms out of the equation at the start of the position you don't have to work anymore when you get to the back like you do with the straight jacket system you just immediately have full control out of both their arms and you have at least depending on what type of style of control you use, at least one free arm for not only their neck, but both of their constrained limbs are immediately able to be attacked as well. It's actually got probably like three or four fold as many submission options from a basically a back position as the actual back does.
0: Yeah, I would agree the actual back mount. I mean, hey, I'm not going to sit here and tell you back mount doesn't work. We all know it works, but the fundamental problem with back mount is The thing that is restraining your opponent more than anything is, you know, you got your hooks and you've got your seatbelt. And basically, you're really just trying to hope that your opponent is not able to turn their body around. Because if they're able to turn around, then suddenly you're on bottom and guard and you lost the whole thing. In Crucifix, the control mechanism is much stronger because you're holding both of your opponent's arms in place. So his ability to rotate and turn around to face you again, like in standard back mount, it's it's almost nil. It's just not going to happen. Whereas if I pull a traditional back mount on you... I know that I have to play that position very carefully because if I make a single mistake against a good guy, they're going to bridge, they're going to turn around, they're going to get the shoulders onto the mat, something's going to happen, and then I'm going to have to bail or or give up the position. Whereas from the crucifix, when you've got both arms of your opponent splayed out in that position, it kills their rotational ability to turn Mm -hmm. around, which means that it's much, much harder to get out.
1: Yeah, I would actually say that the major not major malfunction but one of the major constraining problems of finishing from the traditional back is the limit of the amount of attacks that you have almost everybody knows especially in nogi that you're going for a rear naked choke that's like 95% of the finishes that happen from the back. So just immediately, you don't even have to be a technician. You just got to know, protect your neck and you're going to be able to stall them out until again, you can get some rotation going. You break a hook off, can start turning your hips, whatever it is to break the spinal alignment. And then all of a sudden they're struggling to, to keep side or mount or, or you get to a guard position. And then the crucifix, like you're saying, your actual points of control are actually their shoulders on either side of their torso. So, I mean, the majority of grappling styles that exist yeah have to do with pinning people's shoulders. (laughs) And this is what this position does. It actually pins them to you. So it's not like I have to hold them down to the ground when we're talking about the rear crucifix, which is the majority of what I'm talking about. You're actually pinning them to you, which again is one of the powers of any sort of back position at all is wherever they go, you go with them. So you don't get reversed in that same way. Now, the only con to that position, when we compare the two, like a traditional backpack style back position or crucifix is in the backpack style spinal alignment, is what loses the position more often than not the crucifix it can fall apart in three different directions which means that the person who's holding it needs to know that before they have good control and this is what I try to get across in this particular instructional as soon as possible it's the very first topic that we cover is how do you actually control the crucifix which then informs you how to get out of it if you're in it or how to stop somebody from getting out of it when they're in it and those three points are going to be one of the arms the second arm, if you lose either of the arms, they can turn 180 degrees towards you. And that's either going to put them into typically uh, side or north-south, depending which arm gets lost. Or if they can get their head freed from being saddled against you or you're in a stocks position, because you kind of need to keep some forward pressure on the back of their head to maintain, especially that rear style crucifix. And if they can get their head to the mat on either side of your body, that definitely takes away a lot of your control and leads typically to a a scramble where they can get out, especially in Nogi. So there are actually quite a few avenues to get out of the crucifix, but that being said, it's extremely difficult to do against a person who knows and their whole style of crucifix is meant to restrain all three of those escapes. You look, like you were talking about, there are very, very few people who I would consider masters or experts of this at like a high competition black belt level. The person that I take a lot of information from visually as well as holding maybe one of the highest regards when it comes to this position is Barrett Yoshida. And recently here, like a couple days ago, he just finished a super fight from the rear crucifix with exactly, exactly the setup, control and submission that he's been showing on his Instagram almost daily for the last three months.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like
1: everybody knew what he was going to do. Everybody knew. And he did it against another black belt and he couldn't, he couldn't stop him.
0: Yeah. and. I totally get where you're coming from here because yes, there are three ways that you can escape if you're the person stuck in the crucifix, right? You can escape your near arm, your far arm or your head. And then sure, the position is gonna start to unravel, but like, look, (laughs) that's easier said than done, right? To get your near arm free, you got to fight two on one to me because I've got both of my arms against your one arm. To get your far arm three, you've got to fight two on one against my legs, which is even harder. And if you want to get your head free, you got to overpower my core. And that's really hard to do. So, yes, there are escapes, but once you understand what those are, you can defend against them. And in all of those situations, you've got a strong mechanical advantage over the guy trying to get out of that crucifix.
1: Yeah, so to speak to that, what I think, we're both bringing up the same points basically that there are three avenues, but they're really hard avenues, but I find that the majority of the time that people lose the Crucifix when they're the ones controlling it is because they don't do their due diligence on one or more of those avenues. They either don't understand the best ways to control them, or they get sort of tunnel visioned on one of those three things and one of the other ones falls apart, and again, like, it's it's just a knowledge thing. When you have a high level technician that, that really understands that I have to have my, my T's and I's crossed and dotted before I start attacking, like position before submission, right? And if they understand exactly what that means conceptually, Good luck getting out of that crucifix. You will be, if you aren't submitted, stuck in there for basically the whole match. And it, it sucks. It sucks. And you don't even need to be a big, strong person. I've had actually a recent guest of yours on here, Rebecca Hughes. She was one of the first people to put me in crucifix when she was a purple belt. And I was stuck in it for probably four out of six minutes because it's just so <laughs> sticky. And she's like 120 pounds, you know, strapped across my back. I probably got 50 pounds on her and I couldn't do shit. And, and that was one of the first times having it applied to me where I was like, wow, that's, that's something else. I, being a, I guess I'm a bit of a dummy. It took me a couple of years to actually look into it myself. But now that I use it, I could go over, if you want, I can go over some of the really important concepts from the control of the rear crucifix that will stop a lot of people from getting out.
0: I would absolutely love that because I have admittedly been stuck in the rear crucifix before, but I've had the advantage of being stuck in that position against people who weren't really good at it. Mm-hmm. And so normally I was able to wiggle my way out, but that was just because of an advantage in knowledge. So if you've got some pointers in terms of how to really hold that position, yeah. I'm pretty sure everyone, myself included, would want to hear them. So go for it.
1: I love that you use the descriptive word wiggle, because that's, that's almost exactly <laughs> what every escape to the crucifix implies or requires. It's not Not like one smooth technique or one explosive movement it's these tiny inch at a time wiggles where you're trying to like worm one or two arms away just enough that you can the objective on the defense is to try to drop one of your elbows to the ground if you can drop your elbow to the ground then you're going to wiggle that arm out and then you're going to be able to turn that 180 towards your opponent now understanding that one of the first primary and important controlling concepts when you're on the back is trying to get your arm side and leg side controlling whatever the technique is you're using to control there's there's a variety of them on both the arm and the leg side but as close to their armpits as possible you want them to have to be able to remove the maximum length of their arm the further you slide down either on the arm side or the leg side on your control it comes closer to their elbow and if they only need two or three inches they might be able to twist that through their shoulder joint and drop their elbow to the ground. And at that point you're clamping onto like their wrist or forearm and they're going to get out. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Can you help me understand that? So let me just visualize this. I'm, let's say that I've got someone stuck on me. They have a rear crucifix on me. I mean, I'm probably, you know, shoulders down on top of them. I probably can't get my shoulders onto the mat. How do I wiggle my way out of this?
1: Well, what I was describing was most often how people lose it on the offense is they aren't doing their due diligence when it comes to their control being close to the armpits. So say that uh, whoever it is that's on your back decides to start working towards some arm attacks on the arm side that they're controlling. So both their arms are working towards whatever it is, a wrist lock, a kimura, there's stuff that you can do on that side. And while they're playing with that, either they're sliding their arms down towards your elbow or their legs are forgetting what they're supposed to be doing and are sliding down towards your elbow on that side. If either of those things happen, that's an avenue of escape for the person on the defense. So if you try to just, Keep in mind, it's the same thing as when somebody is on your back and you feel that they're rotating a little out of alignment with your spine. You just need to amplify that rotation by a couple inches and all of a sudden the whole position changes. And the Mm -hmm. positional change that you're looking for on the defense is to be able to think about like lifting your hand up like you're asking the teacher a question and then bringing your elbow towards your ribs. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about dropping your elbow to the ground. So picture like two of their legs controlling your arm, but it's sliding down your bicep closer and closer to your elbow. You straighten that arm up like you're asking the teacher question and then like spike it down towards your body. And now he's basically clamping (laughs) with his legs all of a sudden around your wrist, which is not a good control. It's very easy to slip out. And then you turn 180 towards them.
0: Interesting, interesting. So it sounds like the big thing you're saying is that the key is if you're the one holding the crucifix, you've got to hold their arms closer to the armpit, which is interesting. So you're not necessarily trying to keep it loose. You want to, on both sides, have the control really, really tight to the armpit.
1: Well, like we were already saying, and you were the one that brought up the point, is, is the power of the control is the control over both of their shoulders. So that's at the top, mm-hmm. the stem of their arm, the further away you get from right. that stem, the less control you have over the shoulder proper. And then again, that little wiggling, that little wiggling, and sometimes it's not the arms that wiggle, sometimes it's the head that starts shrimping up sort of past your abs to the far side of your torso. And then same thing happens when that happens, you're losing a little bit of control over the spine. But what happens is that both the arm and leg sides simultaneously start sliding down towards the elbow. And that's where you really start to lose control. You're kind of being bulldozed back backwards if you're on the bottom, and uh, you're, you're sliding down on both the control sides towards the escape avenue.
0: Makes sense. But I guess the question would be if the key to holding the crucifix is to keep control tight to their armpits so that their arms can't get free, how do you finish? Because normally to finish an arm submission, you have to control the rest of the arm as well. So how do you switch from control to submission without losing the crucifix in the process?
1: I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) There's a a lot of good ways and you can find them on BJJ Fanatics when you search Drew Weatherhead. No, but seriously, you can do that. When you're attacking an arm, so you're, you're going for a joint lock either on the arm side or the leg side almost always, not not every time, there's a specific one I'll get to in a moment, but almost always your control is going to be so sound on that limb before you actually attack it that you don't really have to worry about any sort of positional change during the attack. So for instance, if I'm looking for, one of my favorite moves that I hit from regular back constantly, but I hit it a lot from the crucifix as well, on the arm side of the crucifix, the rear crucifix, is pulling their hand down, their ribs to the ground and then behind their back for what I call a suitcase Kimura, which is a one-arm Kimura that you ah. just, you know, it's like a cop lock, like a stop resisting kind of thing, but it works really well.
0: Isn't that what in the world of pro wrestling, they call a hammer lock? I think I know what you're talking about. And a blue belt did that to me one time and I still <laughs> haven't gotten over it.
1: Yeah. It hurts everybody's feelings, but I swear to God, I hit this every time I'm sparring, <laughs> usually multiple times per night. I, 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 used to laugh, um, when, when I tell people online that probably half of the time I finish from any back control is with a kimura and they would, they would laugh like, you can't kimura from the back. I'm like, I'll get you with it. I promise. And, but <laughs> part of that is that I've got their wrist in basically pulling their arm towards like a chicken wing position so that. <laughs> there's no way that they can wiggle that elbow free there's there's absolutely no way and the the pressure is actually still sort of locking their shoulder because it's a shoulder lock right it it keeps the the strained pressure on that joint of control so that's a very viable way of attacking from there without losing control on the arm side leg side you've got one of my dirty and Again, I, I lose a lot of friends from this, Steve, I swear to God, <laughs> is on the leg side is a bicep slicer where just in the natural position that your leg is sitting, and this is something we haven't gone over yet, is on the leg side, you can have inside or outside leg control, which defines which leg is looping over top of the arm. And certain things change that primarily have to do with the hip orientation post to their body that will open up different avenues, make some things harder, some things easier. But the slicer is available from either over or under leg position when it's looping over and really like again you put them into that chicken wing position where you're basically grabbing the wrist and slot machining their arm when you've got the sharp part of your your uh shin bone right at their inner elbow and there is nowhere to go like you can't get that elbow free at that point it's locked like it's in a barato plata you know what i mean
0: mm-hmm. yeah i would love to know when you slice or someone with your legs how do you finish it? Do you reach over with your hands and, and grab yeah. the arm or do you do it just with your legs?
1: No, no, I do it just, I get my legs in position for the slicer and then I'll use uh, usually my top side arm to reach for their wrist and just, again, slot machine it down. It takes no skill at, at all. All it takes is a little bit of understanding of the angle that you want the shin is, is perpendicular as possible to the forearm. And obviously the sharpest part of your leg works the best. So if, if your calf is in there, mm-hmm. it's not going to be a very painful slice. And if it starts coming more and more acute of an angle, it's going to be just too much area that you're trying to slice with you want the minimum amount of surface area doing the maximum amount of psi, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, makes sense. That's something that we, we talk about here a lot, which is to use your body very surgically and make sure that when you are applying parts of your body, you want to be surgical. Use the minimum amount of surface area. Use the the pointy parts, the, mm-hmm. the elbows, the knees, the the edges of your bones, especially if you want to go for a slicer. That's how you're going to make it really work.
1: Yeah, so the one that I was going to get to now that I've talked about a couple different ways to maintain really good control while attacking joints on either side, the arm or leg side, is the one that does require you to slide your control down from the armpit away from the shoulder ever so slightly. This is why I I usually teach this one last in seminars because I want them to have as much control or understanding of control as possible before you sort of toy with it a bit. Makes sense. And it takes a little bit of subtlety to hit this one. And the problem is, this is one of the more common attacks from rear crucifix, which means a lot of people are going to YouTube it and think that they can just hit it right away. And if they don't (laughs) have the understanding of the control of the position before they hit this, they're almost guaranteeing the guy is going to get out. And that's a straight arm lock using your legs. You see this one a lot from there.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask about this because this is when I when I get stuck in a crucifix, this is normally how I get out. It's not because I can actually escape under my own power, because you're (laughs) kind of screwed when you get there. But it's because if your opponent attempts an arm lock on you, that's usually where they wind up having to make space, because that's when they have to move their body away from your armpits, and they start going to the ends of the lever on your arm. And that's when you start to get the space to escape.
1: Yeah, this is the problem for the attacker in this way is that like everybody knows for a good arm bar You need wrist control and shoulder control to isolate the elbow in between them And so the wrist control comes with both of your legs doubling up in basically a figure X over top of their wrist or upper forearm Which then isolates the center elbow joint while you this is another thing too that's again an unexperienced Sorry inexperienced rear crucifix player what might try and, and give their guy an escape avenue is that On the arm side, when you're going for a leg side straight arm bar, is that convoluted? On the arm side control, (laughs) you have to be controlling the body. So you have to have like a seatbelt control over the body to both control the shoulder that is being isolated on the arm you're locking and to position your hips best towards their elbow, because the further you b- stretch your arm side control to the arm on that side, the further your hips come towards their back. And the hip is the fulcrum, it needs to be close to the elbow, right? So you need <laughs> to kind of shrimp yourself just a little bit hip-wise towards the elbow that you're going to be hyperextending. It's more towards the tricep, but you know what I mean. And if you picture that you're holding, say, a figure four grip on the far arm, on the arm side, and then you've got your straight arm lock set up with your legs over the wrist, if you lift your hips at the point you're literally pushing the supposedly controlled shoulder up you're just pushing it off the ground Mm -hmm. and it's going to eat up all of your actuation what you need to do is isolate that shoulder by uh, getting that seatbelt grip hugging it tight to your to your torso just like you would in like a backpack so that when you raise your hips the shoulder doesn't move the wrist doesn't move and then the elbow does
0: let me ask you a question because you're talking here about the leg side straight arm lock, right? Where you have a crucifix on someone and you try to basically do a straight arm lock with your legs. Is there ever a situation where it's a good idea to try to do a straight arm lock with your arms on the arm that's in front of you? Or is that just a no-no?
1: No, it's it's going to be situational. Sometimes it depends on the entry that you use to get to Crucifix, but there's a variety of Crucifix. Coincidentally, this actually came up in a seminar that I just ran on the Crucifix, like a full three-hour seminar just on the rear Crucifix that I did like four days ago, that I showed this one particular entry to the Crucifix from bottom Kesa Gatami when somebody has Kesa on you, is there's a way to basically splay their arms backwards and and cause them to tilt backwards into a Crucifix Position, but on the arm side of that crucifix control, you're going to find it starts under your armpit. That's different. And I showed, I showed in the seminar a way to get it back to a standard crucifix orientation without losing control. If that's your play, if that's what you like to do. But then I had the professor from the gym that, that was hosting me ask me in between while they were practicing it, what if I just keep the arm right here? Can I just throw my outside leg over their head? I'm like, Well, yeah, absolutely. He showed me. I'm like, yeah, that's a beautiful under the arm straight arm lock on the arm side. So there you go. There's an opportunity to hit that with the crucifix orientation still in place and just a savage straight arm lock. You know, those ones that are under the armpit are just brutal all day. And this one comes on really fast.
0: Yeah. Short straight arm locks are probably the quickest way to lose friends in (laughs) jujitsu. If you if you want to go for an arm
1: lock. It's up there.
0: Yeah, if you want to go for an arm lock with the person's arm in your armpit, like the the breaking leverage is just ridiculous. So if you can get that, I can totally see that working from there. So I got a question for you here. We've talked about the rear crucifix, but you mentioned that there are three other variations. And I think when when people think about the crucifix, normally in jujitsu land, they're thinking about the rear crucifix. But I'd love to maybe explore some of these other variants as well, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. To be honest, If I were to guess who will or has already done the most kind of playing around with these other variations is probably 10th planet to be honest because they live on the fringe and these are kind of fringe ways of using the same style of control but they also kind of play into the system that they like to play anyway so i wouldn't be surprised if if i came across a few 10th planet schools that had some more info for me on them not to say that i don't i've done a lot of my own study i've probably like 10 or 12 months into study on the crucifix at this point but for that series that i put together it's a three and a half hour series 60% of it I say i would say is on the rear crucifix the uh, vastness that i put onto that specific variation and i think it'll be the most common and most useful one but there are the three other variations that i cover i'll go i'll start from the least common and move up to what i consider probably the most should be the most common i think it's still all very uncommon but probably the most tactically useful in most roles starting with the the first of the three left at the farthest fringe of what you might run into in a roll, because it's almost illegal everywhere you go. (laughs) And this is uh, a position I call the reverse crucifix. So picture that you, the, the way that this usually gets set up, is you're in a regular old rear crucifix where you're controlling the arm side and the leg side like normal, but they start to bridge towards the opposite side of your body to try to free that head like we were talking about. Yeah. And if you think about your arms and your legs, like the rings on a binder, if you were controlling both the inside arm and the inside leg on their arm on either side of their body, and you switched it to the outside arm of your arms and the the outside leg, so just completely turn 180 towards them so that you're basically turning knees to the ground as they're trying to turn over top of you it's gonna to get to this reverse crucifix where we're we're kind of like pulling their arms backwards behind them and then like shelving their head now on our back. And this turns into just a wicked spinal crank that if they get mm-hmm. their head to the ground, their own gravity will tap them. But usually if you turn fast enough, you just kind of trap them in this nasty stalks position that just spreads their, their arms like a blood eagle backwards and just reefs their neck, chin first towards their sternum and there's ways of obviously cranking the neck from there which again extremely illegal outside of like you know these uh, sub only anything goes tournaments maybe like a catches catch can kind of format in fact that position was used a lot in catch wrestling because it also doubles as a pin right so you can tap a guy there as well as pin their shoulders down but there's also a couple different ways i go over to attack arms while still keeping in that position without amplifying the pressure into the neck so technically it'd be legal but depending on your ref you probably still get dq'd so the reverse crucifix is a weird one that i would again leave out there in the fringe you can use it against people you don't like and probably hurt them for life
0: i'm just trying to visualize this is this a move where your opponents, they basically have their neck and their shoulders actually on the mats. And then you're kind of facing them and you're pulling their arm and their leg back and you're compressing their head in
1: their shoulders don't really physically hit the mat because there's like an arc between their two elbows, because just the way that you're pulling their arms behind them, they're still belly up towards the ceiling and you're turning to look away from them basically. If you were looking at their belly button from the rear crucifix, you're looking at the wall behind you now because you've turned those binder rings like 180, and your your back is now pushing against their the back of their head. Okay. And you're pulling both of their arms. It really drags them into this nasty-
0: So you're actually looking toward their feet.
1: No, I'm looking 180 degrees away from their feet. I'm looking at the wall behind us. I see. So I've I basically like turned, like I'm turning towards a turtle, my arms and knees on the ground. I know this is really hard to visualize audibly, but I wish I could show you, but it's, it's nasty. It's meant as a crank.
0: <laughs> the reason I ask is because I'm pretty sure this is a pro wrestling move and I'm just trying to make sure that I
1: understand. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I'm sure Brett, the Hitman, heart hit <laughs> this. So rear crucifix, it's super, super nasty. And mm. I kind of felt bad using it on my Uki <laughs> when we were filming this thing. <laughs> I tried to go really slow. And there was one point where just this particular way of getting into it ended up with him kind of stacked. Like he was uh Falling onto his head, and his own legs were, were like pushing gravity down onto the neck crank, and he was tapping while I was trying to explain what was going on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, this this definitely. Oh my god! I oh. Goodness. I'm okay. I've Googled this. If this is what I think it is, it looks incredibly painful.
1: That's probably yeah, by the sound of your yeah. shock. It is. Yeah. So wouldn't suggest in, in kind company, I wouldn't use this one, but it's a thing and there's stuff you can do from there. And it's it's a legitimate reaction to some of their escapes to the rear crucifix, which is why I show it as like an optional transition.
0: Okay. Yeah. Th- this is, oh, oh my God. Okay. Yeah. The The less said about this, the better. This sounds very painful.
1: Yeah, we can delete all this from the podcast so that people don't even want to Google it. And it's probably... <laughs> it's a forbidden technique. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll keep it in Pandora's box. Uh The The second of the remaining three that I go over is, I, I touched on it at the beginning when I was going through them, was what I call a half crucifix. And this is mm-hmm. another weird one where... The easiest way to conceptualize it, and one of the easier entries to get into it from, is from the technical mount. So picture mount, you've turned 90 degrees, you're kind of on one knee and up on one foot, and they're looking away from you on their side. You know the one? Yep. Okay. So technical mount and usually I set this one up because either they set up or I managed to swim their arm that's on top behind my armpit. So I've got it trapped like I would go for like a nasty straight arm bar. You know what I mean? Mm
0: hmm. Mm hmm.
1: Okay, and then the last thing I need to do to sit into this half-crucifix is I'm going to take my leg that's behind their back, that's usually on my knee at this point, and I'm going to walk it around and make space by their other armpit to drop my heel, and then I'm going to sit back to my butt. So now I've got them strapped in a crucifix-style control with one of my legs over their their torso like i was in a spider web position but their their arm on the leg side is splayed out because of that one heel that's in their armpit and i have their other arm on the arm side underneath my armpit and their head is shelved on the thigh of the leg running behind them
0: i see i see so when you call it a half crucifix are you calling it that because you're only using one leg to control that forearm that's right. Okay, okay. So, yeah, I, I've i seen variants of this when attacking the back where instead of using both of your legs to try to tie up that far arm, you're using one leg and basically you're using the instep of your foot to like hook their armpit, right? So they can't get their arm free. Is that right? Yeah,
1: yeah, more or less. But it's not only okay. because there's only one leg controlling the leg side arm. It's because the other leg is actually on the wrong side of their body. It's on the stomach side. So you're, you're, you're oh. you only have one leg to trap the leg side
0: i see i see interesting so yeah i can see how that could come up from technical mount i gotta ask like what's the strategic benefit of going to something like that because normally when you have technical mount on someone normally it's pretty close to game over at that point what are the situations where you would want to switch from that to a crucifix and what can you do in that half crucifix that you couldn't do from technical mount instead
1: hmm Two things I can think of right off the bat that it affords you. If there's strikes involved, we're getting into game over territory because we've got their their arms literally pinned, like, like with pressure pinned backwards, like they're being pulled behind them. Their head is fully exposed, being shelved on your thigh behind them. And you have one free hand that can actually swing pretty darn hard to hit them in the chops over and over and over.
0: And you also have base too is the yes. other thing, right? The one thing about the crucifix most of the time is you have a ton of control, but you kind of have to give up a bit of base because to hold that crucifix, you've got to keep both of their arms splayed. And that usually means your own mobility is very limited. Often the guy is actually sitting on you. So it's even more limited. But if you've got that half crucifix, then you technically, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're actually up on one foot, right? At least one foot. So you still have some degree of base.
1: I'm not actually on a foot. I'm basically seated. So I'm sitting at like a my body would be a figure L. So my torso would be coming up towards the roof. And my legs would be coming mm-hmm. across them one behind their head and lacing their far arm. And then the other one across their belly. So I've got great base just sitting there. I'm actually being held up by the tension on the arm that's under my armpit. So I'm not going anywhere. They're not going to reverse me very easily there. And again, if there's strikes involved, it's game over territory. This isn't just like rabbit fists until the, the ref calls it off. We're going to KO a guy from there for sure. Cause they can't even hide their face they can't do anything if this is just a grappling situation then it exposes the neck quite a bit in a way that the technical mount doesn't because usually in the technical mount their top arm is being hidden or being like really tight to their ribs and by their neck to protect uh, any sort of like whether it's an ezekiel or you're starting bow and arrows or whatever they're really trying to to hide their arm and neck on the top side and then this just by Mm -hmm. definition splays it open so that now we can reach around for collars if there's collars or there's and i'll get into this in a second there's other ways that we can start exposing the neck for nogi where we take the the leg that's over their torso that's just kind of sitting there doing nothing but holding them down. And I'm going to lean my whole body kind of 45 degrees towards their head, which gives me a lot of hip mobility over that leftover leg to swing it shin first behind their head. And it, this is where I, I said it starts to feel a lot like a rubber guard technique where it's almost like a go go plata on the side of their neck. But then we can start using our forearms to isolate the trachea in front against it. And it becomes these nasty little crushing chokes on the neck that they can't hide
0: yeah yeah i I can kind of understand that because you're if i'm visualizing this position properly you're not underneath the person like you are with a rear crucifix right with a rear crucifix normally you're you're bearing their weight so that actually impedes your ability to create topside pressure you have to figure out a way to mess with their arms and their head from there but from this half crucifix you're actually you don't have to carry their weight so or at least not in the same way yeah. So your ability to generate force from the top is much greater.
1: Yes, that's right. It feels like you're being pulled into the ground when you're on the defense. Like you're being actively pulled right. with tension against both shoulders. Got
0: it, got it, got it. Okay. I mean, I, I think that makes sense. Of course, I understand it's hard to visualize this stuff, but I kind of get the general idea that you're you're only using one of your legs to achieve the crucifix and the other leg is actually free to achieve base and to, to support you. What about the last version? What, I mean, I guess this is probably the one that people are much more familiar with, which is the I mean, I've always called it the Mounted Crucifix, but I think you had a different name for it.
1: This isn't actually the position that I wanted to cover. It's not the one that I cover in. the. I don't actually cover any of the Mounted Crucifix stuff in the series. Oh, really? Oh, okay. no, that's that's uh, one that I left out again, the the series was just getting too lengthy. I didn't want to overload people, but also like this last one, I was so blown away from it or by it when I came across it in training and practice in lab tests where I was sort of trying to figure out everything I could about crucifix. And I call it a front side crucifix and there's a variety of different names for it, but because I I put it in my crucifix, I call it the crucifix Bible, just for play on words there. It it hurts (laughs) all the Christian's feelings. I'm sorry. But it was a good pun. It's. Do you remember a match that happened? A very famous match. I think it was in 2017, and the the Mundial finals between Michelle Nicolini and uh, Tammy Musimemechi.
0: No, I I don't recall.
1: Okay, well, maybe the, the actual incident that happened will jog your memory, because what happened was that, and I suggest anybody listening who hasn't seen this, look it up on YouTube, it's still out there, is Michelle Nicolini got into this position that I'm talking about, and it's from the bottom, so you're playing guard, and picture you're turning for an omoplata on a trapped arm, but instead of turning 180 degrees so that you're both looking the same direction, you stop at 90, so your leg that would be coming behind their deltoid is now strapped across the back of them like uh, perpendicular to their spine and now your free leg actually goes over top of their head and underneath their far arm so you get them in a stocks position at a 90 degree to their body from the bottom so their head is being pulled down by the back of your knee, their body is controlled in the same fashion, you have their near side arm that you would be hitting an omoplata, kind of tucked in your pocket, and then their far side arm is being scooped up by your foot that's over their head, and maybe even reinforced by the foot of the one going over their back. And then this is where it gets nasty, and where it got nasty for Tammy, is you reach forward, and the most common submission from there, I've heard it called a blood eagle, I've heard it called an arm splay, but basically you grab that arm and bend it all the way across to your near side body side So you're taking their arm and pulling it straight like a rod like a slot machine arm Backwards towards their other arm on your side of the body and it snapped tammy's arm It sh- it shattered it and she didn't tap. She actually finished the match ended up losing on points But I mean the whole crowd was going berserk They went wild because she survived this thing, but the survival was literally having her arm broken like badly broken on this one so this is the position now again if all we want to be is an asshole that's a great way to be an asshole because it's just a nasty position to get someone in but what really blew my brain is when i started playing with this control from the bottom guard position it actually naturally presents itself when you know it's there from very very common attacks being armbars, triangles and omoplatas the three main attacks that you hit from guard from white belt at any given point, there is a transition to a frontside crucifix. And what's Extra crazy is that even at the white belt level and up the submission from there is legal Because it's technically a straight arm bar or a shoulder lock depending how the pressure comes on So this is it could be taught at the very beginning level of jujitsu But I don't think people know it's there and I've started to see some people that post videos under other names and Through different transitions getting to the same finishing position. Some people call it a uh, puppet master You can look that one up. There's some cool videos out there. I saw Buchecha actually in a highlight on Instagram that was using it in a sparring session. So it's it's out there, but it's buried deep and I don't think it's, it's taken very seriously. Obviously Michelle Nicolini knew it was there because she just about won the Worlds with a submission there. I mean, she did win it, but almost with that submission. But again, what blows my mind is that it's so readily available and legal from every level from the most common guard attacks that you would learn from your first month of training jitsu guard on bottom is armbar triangle omoplata all of those play into front side crucifix
0: so let me try to explain this because while you were talking i was trying to visualize this and i i googled it and as i do and i found your tutorial on the the front side crucifix and first of all like fuck anyone who does this move (laughs) this this move hurts i i remember i've only seen this move twice once was when a black belt i i was i want to say a blue belt maybe even lower at the time Mm -hmm. we had a visiting black belt from the states named jeff suskin awesome awesome black belt he came in and he was sparring with me this guy at this point is a seasoned black belt i'm like a total newbie so as you do he's just styling on me. Of and it puts me in this position that to to this day I never knew what it was called until you explained it. And now I know <laughs> it is called an arm splay from a, a frontside crucifix. So the only other place I've ever seen this done is pro wrestler Zack Saber Jr., who does this kind of bullshit <laughs> all the time. So to to try to explain this, because I fully understand that this is almost impossible to understand through words. Like right. to keep it real simple, imagine you're going for an omaplata on a guy. And you've got their, their near side arm all fucked up because they're in an omoplata. Imagine that you were able, by using your hands and your feet, to grab onto their far side arm as well. And pull it back right. so basically you're like pu- doing an arm crunch behind them so that you've got like a almost like an omoplata type thing on the near side arm and then you're pulling the far side arm over that that's what you're talking about and yes exactly. to your point it is completely legal because it is just an arm lock there's yep. nothing particular there's no slicer there's no spinal crank I, I mean if you get stuck in it you might argue it's a spinal crank but really <laughs> it's a complete legit arm attack it is tricky to do but I have found myself in this position as well because sometimes what happens when you get someone in an omoplata is sometimes their defense is to try to put their weight on top of you or lean towards you Uh and sometimes that can actually give you access to their far arm i've also done this before when i get someone in an omoplata and they're they're down on the ground they're broken down but they just won't They just won't fucking tap for whatever reason. Like, I don't know, maybe they're made of rubber or something. Sometimes what I will do is I will reach over and grab the far arm and pull it back behind them as well. And then you're, you're basically taking both of their arms and pulling them behind their back and They're going to tap from one of those arm locks. It's it's a dual submission, right? You're attacking both arms at the same time. They're going to tap from one of them.
1: Yeah, I learned that variation as kind of an amplification of the omoplata when they're out of position. And you Mm -hmm. see Clark Gracie hit that one quite a lot, omoplata master that he is. But the uh, front side crucifix that I typically use terminologically is going to be 90 degrees to their body instead of in line with it. So if you're in a normal platter, you would turn backwards the direction you came, ninety degrees, so that you're at a, a like a a figure plus to them. You know what I mean? Like perfectly perpendicular, ninety degrees, and that's where you're looking direct, almost like a crucifix. You would think, right? Almost like it's from the front, <laughs> <laughs> and you're looking just straight down the sh- straight down the shoot at this trapped arm across from them obviously you've got that nasty arm splay from there and that's usually how i finish it but there are also immediate options on the shelved arm that's right in your lap you've got easy wrist locks right there you've got an easy shoulder lock right there it's it's a nasty position and besides the fact that again the biggest mind blower for me was that it plays into just typical traditional positions from bottom guard immediately and i don't mean like i'm going to set up an arm bar that is also easy to turn into a front side crucifix i mean like the common reactions to those can immediately lead into it like say for example from spider web position you've got their arm and they do the hitchhiker escape i've had people hitchhiker directly into this move before In fact, I've set them up with it multiple times because they come up to their knees and all of a sudden they're in the front side crucifix. They don't know what happened, but their arms being pulled behind them. Mm -hmm. Other ways is from the uh, bolt lock position from the triangle where you've got the knot over their back instead of by their shoulder, you know, where you switch uh, which leg is doing the knot Mm -hmm. on the triangle. Picture that where you bring the, the knot instead of by their armpit over onto their back and now just take that front side leg and put it behind or over top of their head and under their arm you're immediately there like it's just these tiny little tweaks it, it also available from Barato Plata like there's if you play bottom arm lock and triangle chokes, the front side crucifix is already your game. you just don't know it yet, and I swear to God like this isn't just a uh really skillful guy's move against a really dumb guy like this this works against guys that know that it's coming to that point when I was lab testing this stuff, it was almost always with the same couple partners because this was in small pods over covid, and I could hit this on the same guy. Multiple times in the same role at like a purple belt level and he knows what it is And he knows the setups because he just got caught with it And you can still hit it because it's just such a good control when you know how to use it And the way that I describe it on the tutorial shows where the pressure needs to go to maintain control and the angle You need to hit to keep them kind of pinned and like I don't know man. I I really hope I really hope that the stuff that I put in this tutorial actually gets out into the wild more than it has, because I feel like this is one of those things that a couple really interested individuals will pick up and just ruin people with in tournament.
0: Well, you know, I got to ask if someone wants to get this instructional and get all of that information, where do they go to do it, Drew?
1: Well, it's super simple because it's where most people go to get it. It's at uh, BJJFanatics.com I'm really easy to find. I'm the only Drew on there. How I search for myself, I just put Drew in the search bar And the only thing I have on there pops up. So it's really easy to find. They always have sales I think they might still have one going on. It's like 39% off everything. So it's it's super easy to get And like I said, I consider this one no bullshit, just the best tutorial that I've ever made as far as the construction of it. In fact, when you do a, I had to do this at distance because it's, you know, they weren't flying people out when we were filming this because of everything across the border, blah, blah, blah. But they have you fill out a spreadsheet of all of the different videos, the time stamps, the name of the technique and stuff. And so that they can, you know, build it on their side digitally when they release it on their platform. And I had the guy who is responsible for that. That get back to me after I sent him the the file, and he said, "Dude, this is the best laid out technique sheet any of our instructors have ever sent in. Would you like <laughs> yeah. to make an instructional for my instructors to be able to do this?" <laughs>
0: it's like I tell everyone to fill out the sheet, but I didn't think anyone would actually do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, or like do it succinctly and in order. And I, I, I really just I basically did a a like compact version of this in the seminar that i just ran a few days ago i just used my notes from the series that i still had on my phone and i got the same compliment from the instructor there he's like man you did a really good job i've taken a lot of seminars from many world champions and you are every bit as good as them when it comes to like showing a move that you want to do in a way that starts with control and then into entry and then into submission like it's not just a trick it shows you a whole paradigm and you covered it master So again, not tooting my own horn, but I'm super proud of this series and I think that it's undervalued. So if you guys want to go get it, you might be one of the first ones to go out there and start wrecking fools before everybody figures it out.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of those positions where I think it's not used commonly. And because it's not used commonly, people don't teach it. But at some point, there's going to be that moment where someone walks onto the world stage and just dominates with the crucifix. And I, this is one of those positions, honestly, where I, I don't quite understand how this has not actually happened yet, but it, it almost certainly will. And, hey, you got two choices. You can either wait till that happens and then you can learn it, or maybe you can be the guy who goes onto the world stage and fucks everyone up with this position. So something to think about. There's my sales pitch.
1: That was my sales pitch perfect Uh, to speak just really quickly to one of the points you brought up is I was curious too, like legitimately curious and putting it out to people here recently like why they think that the crucifix isn't as popular especially people that play it I was asking people that I know that played it like why isn't why isn't this blowing up like wildfire because everybody knows once again you either feel it or use it it's just undeniably powerful like I prefer this myself to back control most times I'll switch to back control if I lose Mm -hmm. it that's another great thing there. Oh, by the way, one of the cool transitions I found in my study is you can go from rear crucifix to the honey hole position. You can transition immediately mm-hmm. to leg locks if you want. Cool. Also, uh, they said, and I, I, I agree with this, is that the reason why it isn't pushed or, or widely studied and used is because there's no point value to it. Uh, It's hyper controlling back position, but there's zero points if if you lose it. So when it comes to strategy, especially at a high level tournament like the IBJJF runs, it is a risk strategically to go to this position instead of the back.
0: It's something that I've talked about with quite a few people recently, which is that a lot of and I mean, I don't want to come on here and shit on the IBJJF and shit on the rule system any more than I already do. But I will. (laughs) Well, I will give them credit. The rule system that they have created is pretty good. Uh, I think it does a pretty good approximation of being an objective way to score the sport in a way where the sport remains realistic for self-defense and for the the traditional purposes of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. However, there's a whole bunch of biases built into the, the scoring system that I think prevent the development. Kind of arbitrary ones. Yeah, completely arbitrary. I mean, the, the most obvious example is all of the stuff around leg locks, right? I think we mm. all know that like for the, for the longest time, leg lock growth was stinted because of weird arbitrary rules. And also, frankly, a lot of the more dominant leg entanglements should probably be scoring positions and they're not that's one example but i would also say that bjj has some very very specific biases that come from the fact that there are things that made this art unique like if you go back you know it is the guard that is a fundamentally interesting characteristic of jiu-jitsu and as a result The point system funnels you towards the guard, even if strategically, maybe it's not the best option, but it is in the context of jujitsu. It baffles me, for example, that if you sweep someone from guard, you get points, but if you reverse them from side control or from mount, you don't. I don't understand why that matters, right? If you get on top, you should get the points in my mind. Additionally, turtle. I mean, I everyone knows I'm a fucking turtle enthusiast, but <laughs> turtle is a position that has been used by wrestlers for thousands of years. But in jujitsu, it's heavily underdeveloped because it's not a point scoring position. But realistically, you can do incredible things from turtle just like you can from guard. It's a great way to reset and get out of bad positions, but people are encouraged not to use it. And I would say the same thing applies for things like the body triangle and for the crucifix, Mm -hmm. because they're not point scoring positions. There is no reason to incentivize the development of that game. But at some point, you're going to see people in rule sets outside of the IBJJF, where maybe the points aren't the big deal, or maybe there's different ways that things get scored. And you're going to see development around here, I, I think. I think that it's only a matter of time until we see that these positions become more commonplace, because... Mechanically, they are just so powerful. And we didn't even talk about the mounted crucifix, man. I mean, talk about a dominant position right out of all of the ways that you can pin someone from top side control. The mounted crucifix is maybe one of the worst places to get stuck, especially in a combat situation.
1: It's basically the position that every asshole uncle or big brother gets you in to just slap you in the (laughs) face and sort of wet willy you until you say uncle it's, it's a terrible position that you don't even have to be like, obviously, you can be really good. And usually people that use it are really good, but you don't have to be really good to hold somebody there. That's just uh, speaks to the power of the position. Anatomically.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a beautiful position. So I do encourage people to check out your instructional, Drew, and I do encourage people to play with this position a little bit more than they otherwise normally would be. I just want to do a quick recap here to make sure that I I got all of the points. You talked today primarily about four main ways to play the crucifix. You talked about the rear crucifix, which is the back crucifix. This is what most people think about when they talk about the crucifix. You talked about the reverse crucifix, which is probably less common, because of the legality under certain rule sets yeah. i'm not going to try to explain it but basically it's like a hellacious neck crank right yes. like really what you're doing <laughs> is you're you're the, the the defining characteristic of the reverse crucifix is your body positioning is such that you're you're can opening the guy's neck yeah, for lack of a better right. term you're forcing you're forcing his chin into his sternum and that's one of the defining characteristics you talked about the front side crucifix which is maybe best described as you go halfway to an omoplata but instead of going to the omoplata, You tie up the guy's far arm as well as the near side arm. Really shitty position to get stuck in. And you talked about the half crucifix, which is where it sounds like it's almost in some ways. I I don't know if you would really describe it as a mounted situation, but basically you're only using more
1: of a spider web.
0: Uh, I see. I see. So you're only using one of your legs to to achieve the crucifix. Basically, your your leg is going around the back of their head. Your instep is trapping in their armpit. And then your other leg is free to move around. Is that correct?
1: That's right. You got it.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And of course, on top of those four, there's also the traditional mounted crucifix. If you want to mash someone's face into jello with your elbow, that's what you would probably use. So, man, that's a lot of different positions. That's five positions not commonly played in jiu-jitsu that are all incredibly dominant and so i guess the question is anyone listening to this episode are you going to go and study this stuff are we going to see a year from now someone get on the podium at mundials and say that drew weatherhead and bjj mental models taught them this brutal crucifix game that took them all the way to the gold that's what i want to see
1: me too, man. That would be just absolute justification of all the effort I put in because I I don't consider myself a world champion or that I ever have the, the aspiration to do that. But I do believe that the techniques that are, are here are more than enough to take somebody who is that caliber of athlete to the podium. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And of course, if you have any questions or you want to learn more about crucifixes, you know how to get a hold of both of us. Me, pretty easy. Go to BJJMentalModels.com. There's a contact form there. Drew, if people want to get a hold of you or check out your amazing world-class jiu memes, where do they go?
1: yeah you can check out the memes at because jitsu if you don't already follow it is the largest brazilian jiu-jitsu meme page on instagram uh as well as my personal page if you want to get a hold of me it's more it's more likely you'll get a hold of me there because the meme page the dms are a dumpster fire and i typically don't look at them (laughs) (laughs) but uh, my personal page is just drew.weatherhead on instagram and uh, i post a whole lot of technique videos on there too so if you want to see how i teach without having to pay a dollar that's where it is and if you like what I'm doing and wanna pay a dollar or more, I've got lots of different avenues. You can check out the link in my bio, it'll show you everything there.
0: And on that note, if you've got money to spend, I mean, of course, do please consider us as well, as I I hope everyone knows by now. Really the thing that keeps the lights on here and the thing that helps us really help people is BJJ Mental Models Premium. That's our membership site where we offer a whole ton of stuff, including premium strategy, content, access to our community discord, of course, direct coaching from people in our community, and that includes me. So if you wanna check that out, please do please at least consider it premium.bjjmentalmodels.com again that is premium.bjjmentalmodels.com and if you don't want to go all in like that you can also just support us on patreon patreon patreon.com slash bjj mental models so two ways to help us out greatly appreciated everyone who does really at the end of the day we're trying to turn this into a a real thing and the best way to do it is to get people to sign up and and help us grow this thing so that's all i got to say about this position drew i really appreciate your time here i learned a lot i didn't realize there were so many different variations of this move so thank you again so much for dropping by and and showing us what you
1: got my pleasure thanks again for having me steve Uh, i'd be happy to be on any other time
0: well i might space you out a little bit more in the near future i think maybe you know you're like you're like scotch you're an acquired taste and it's you're best enjoyed in small doses so
1: i disagree you can get drunk off me i'll see you next week <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right well thanks a lot drew i do appreciate it sincerely and of course to everyone who takes the time to hang out here with us every week i appreciate you too and we'll talk to you guys next week